0: And so I, I don't ever remember myself saying, oh, woe is me. I'm a black woman. I'm right. single. I can't get a job. One lovely thing about being in Alaska in the 60s was that if you had any talent or willingness to work, you could get a job. And so I fell into jobs. I One job after another, I never planned for them. Somebody knocked on my door and I opened it and I said, you got a job for me? And they'd say yes. And I then love after what? And you know, uh, there weren't that many black women here, so I was noticed.
1: Welcome to the Persistence You podcast with Lisbeth, and that's you as in university. But we're much more of a community here. I'm your host, Lisbeth Meredith, author, speaker, and online teacher. Each week, I'll be delivering stories from amazing survivors and strivers, all threaded together with a dose of persistence. So glad you're listening. Welcome, for sisters and brothers. I am so very excited for this guest, my dear friend. She called me her otter daughter. There's a longer story there. But uh, my next guest is Eleanor Andrews, and Eleanor today is patching in from Anchorage, Alaska. If you lived in Alaska, you would know who Eleanor Andrews is. But for me, she was my best friend's growing up mother. So later on in high school, when I landed back in Alaska from Washington State, then Eleanor was that rich single mother. I always thought she was rich. A single mother who had a fabulous job working for city government. She was the cool single mom of two kids And she was always fun and funny and generous with her time and very welcoming. But another bio, because Eleanor had actually a large exhibit in the Anchorage Rasmussen Museum was devoted to Eleanor. So reading one of the bios most recently of Eleanor that's pretty uh, awesome. is She's known as a successful African-American businesswoman, a gifted and fair public servant, an accomplished person of integrity, a tireless volunteer, a generous philanthropist, strategic mentor, and hardworking board member, a loyal friend, and a loving mother and grandmother. And I could say yes to all those things. What I never thought of as a teenager was how hard it was to be a single woman working in a man's world in Eleanor's generation, just one up from my own. I never thought about the fact that it was difficult to be a woman from Compton in California who moved to Alaska with her husband when she was very, very young. And as a black woman, carving out success as a single mom. I never thought about that. I had my own chaos in my youth to think about. And so, I just took for granted that she was just amazing and never thought about how challenging it was for her it, back then to be a history maker. And for me in my personal life, she is still, you know, obviously very important in my history. Um, but for women's history, It is just important to acknowledge that, wow, the barriers that she kicked through to become the woman she is today, still a very busy board member, still into the arts, very connected and making a difference in her city. I'm just so honored that she would take the time and be with me today. And tech is not her friend, nor is it mine. So we'll see how smoothly it goes. But I just am so very grateful. To have Eleanor today. I will be having Ginny Carney, Dr. Ginny Carney, Virginia Carney uh, from North Carolina as a final guest in Women's History Month in a couple of episodes. I will just, maybe next episode actually, I will just say that she is in very poor health and if she's able to even answer questions right now, she may not be able to voice record her health is that tenuous but that does not reduce anything about her impact on her world and so i'm looking forward to having at least in being able to be the voice of what a great impact uh, dr carney made as well and is making in her world thanks always for being here your shares your emails to me if you're not on my email list hop on at lameredith.com but your shares your email uh, confirmation that the podcast is making a difference. Some of my friends have texted. I really appreciate it. And um, for those of you who want to join me on Patreon or buy me a coffee, much appreciated, but I value your time. I know you could be doing other things. So thanks for being here as ever. Tell a friend and keep the podcast moving. Thank you.
0: This has given quite a
1: buildup. May I introduce my dear (coughs) friend, my, what I wish was my first mother, uh, Eleanor Andrews, and an inspiration to me. And Eleanor, I already had mentioned that if a person lived in Alaska, they would know who you are. You've done many, many things, but I'm so honored that you would be my guest this week on Persistence You, and it is wonderful to see your beautiful face. So thanks for being here.
0: Well, Liz, first of all, thanks for asking me. I don't know if other people know that I call you my otter daughter.
1: I mentioned that. <laughs>
0: Okay. Uh, you know, it wasn't intentional, but once I got that handle for you, I couldn't let it go. I love it. I absolutely love it. You're different. I'm different, you know. Yes. It all stemmed from
1: a greeting card that was supposed to say, uh, Other. Your, uh, other mother. Uh, instead, it said otter mother. So I became the otter daughter. Right. <laughs> so I'll love it. I'll take it. <laughs> I'll okay. take any kind of mothering I can get with you. All so
0: right. that's well, pretty easy. awesome.
1: So when I was growing up, I mentioned that you were you know, always the cool mom, always the person to aspire to be, but I never thought about what it was like to be a single mom foraging your way in Alaska with two kids and rising to such levels of success. I was just full of my own thoughts as a child, as young people are. But also to be a single black mother, very amazing. I mean, you just absolutely had the odds sometimes seem stacked against you. And I never saw any of that. All I ever saw was you accomplishing the next thing and the next thing. So, you know, Hmm. I, I, I know that things didn't probably there was probably muddy middles, but I didn't see any of that. I just thought, of course, she's amazing. What was it, what is it like to go from California to Alaska and start your journey to be the mighty Phoenix that you are?
0: Well, the first thing that comes to mind is that I grew up in the LA area and it was always warm. Sometimes we went to the beach for Christmas. When I arrived in Fairbanks in March of 1965 with the family to stay, it was so cold. So that's what it was like. Uh, the first thing I had to adjust to was the temperature.
1: The, and, and, the, and when you say so cold, like you go from Compton to maybe negative 60 degree weather.
0: Oh, it wasn't minus 60 degrees in March. Right. It was about uh, zero. Zero. Yeah, oh good. Was it? And More. then the following winter it got down to 60 below and stayed there for a while. So you know, um, I've always been a kind of pull up your socks person. Right. Uh so I had to adjust to it. Um, I bought this big heavy coat. And then when I got pregnant with Marty, your friend, I had to let it out. And then after I had her, I had to sew it back up. Oh wow. I love <laughs> after- it. After the flood in Fairbanks in 1967 there were no goods to be bought and I really needed some boots because winter was coming the flood was in August so I went down to the Army Navy surplus store and got some bunny boots you know those big white boots right that the people wear in the military when they go training up in the mountain and I wore those with no shame because that's what you had to do and so I I don't ever remember myself saying Oh, woe is me. I'm a black woman. I'm right. single. I can't get a job. One lovely thing about being in Alaska in the 60s was that if you had any talent or willingness to work, you could get a job. And so I fell into jobs. I One job after another, I never planned for them. Somebody knocked on my door and I opened it and I said, you got a job for me? And they'd say yes. <laughs> I and love then after while. <laughs> And, you know, uh, there weren't that many black women here. So I was noticed. So if I went to a meeting and said something halfway articulate, they'd say, God, she's good or she's smart. Do you want to do that? And I always said yes. Wow. I was never afraid to say yes, because if it didn't work out, I'd go to the next thing or somebody else would knock at my door. So I had a fortunate life. But one thing. Now, thinking back and what I would ask my granddaughter is, you know, what are you afraid of? Mm -hmm. And she suffers from anxiety. And she'd say, well, I'm anxious about this or this or this. A lot of people do, but they can't handle the discomfort that it causes Mm because there are levels of anxiety. So the way she handles it is she just does everything like me. You know, the other day she had her Fitbit on and she did 15,000 steps. And she was at home with her kids and her husband, watching basketball games, cleaning, washing, doing work on her charts. And so I understand that energy level. Right. But one thing she said to me a couple of months ago that was kind of amazing, like you, she didn't know what her grandmother did, what she was known for. Mm -hmm. I'm called Bubby to her. So they had an exhibit at the Anchorage Museum on Blacks in Alaska. And I was one of the featured people for a couple of months. So I took the family there for uh, her son's birthday. And she had an opportunity to look at the exhibit. And she came back and said, Bubby, I never realized you did all those things. Mm -hmm. I said, I know, because your interface was me being your cool grandmother. (laughs) Yes, exactly. (laughs) And, you know, I can't help it. I've always been cool. (laughs) So I would say to young women, don't be afraid to say yes. Right. You know, one of my favorite sayings is if something happens that's bad or that you didn't expect, you say, what are they going to do? Send me to Vietnam. Right. And that's a saying from my youth because the scariest thing that could happen to you, man or woman, was to get sent to Vietnam. Right. So that's no longer a threat. Right. You have to kind of put it in perspective. It's a great country. I actually went there and I loved it. So that's not yes. a good thread anymore. <laughs> no, I went there too, but it was really hot and rainy, but, but you're right. much the, more.
1: <laughs> the things we have to do is stop ourselves in our tracks and say, yes. what are we really afraid of? What's the worst right. thing that could happen? And if we don't get stuck too long and get immobilized in the anxiety, then we can move
0: forward. I like that. Right. Any anxiety, I think is based on fear of what might happen not Mm -hmm. something that happened to you necessarily because we all have things that happen to us. We get past it, but it's like all the scary things you think up in the middle of the night. Right. And if you can just let those go and get up in the morning, pull up your socks, you know, and I'm not saying that I didn't have trials and tribulations to have a hackneyed phrase. I mean, my kid's father was killed. Right. Um, I lost a house during the divorce and, Things, but you just get over it. Right. You do the very next thing.
1: Right. So. You make the next good choice.
0: Yeah. And or bad he- choice. You'll recover from it.
1: That's <laughs> right. In fact, we might learn more from our bad choices. Plus, they make better stories later. They're not fun in the middle, but they make those good <laughs> That's stories right. later. Because I, I survived. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's exactly right. Yeah. What do you want your great grandchildren to not take for granted? Uh, things that you have seen change uh, over over your lifetime that you don't want them to forget, uh, you know?
0: Yeah, that's, you know, that's three generations. And I see them with all this stuff. Yes. They have every toy, but they play with them all the time. They never tear them up. So that's one thing I'm really happy about that Things have changed. They have a lot more material things, but they also use them well. And both of them, the boys, because the little girl is only six months old. She smiles all the time. But the boys are really smart about using what they have and using their brains. Okay. I keep saying, oh, they're going to be an engineer. They're going to be an artist. And so they get the nurturance to try everything. <laughs> they're very energetic um, and loving. mm mm-hmm. And then, you know, there's this whole thing about uh, boys—something snails and puppy dog tails. (laughs) You know, boys are just that way; they're a little bit rough. They just are. But I kind of love watching that. (laughs) And they see their mother, their grandmother, and their great grandmother pulling up their socks every day and doing things, and then sitting down and playing with them and loving them. So they see strong woman nurturing woman, right? cool grandma, great-grandma's mad, <laughs> you right. know, they it's see the whole, <laughs> right. the whole spectrum of emotion and support from the women in their family. And they're going to make great men because they're balanced. I took my uh, seven-year-old great-grandson shopping for his birthday, asking him, I sent him a text, hoping he texts me back, but he's not good at that. So I said, what do you want for your birthday? Let me know so I can get it get it for you. And he wrote me a letter and held the paper up. And his mother took a picture and he says, I want to go shopping with you to the store and pick out what I want. <laughs> I love it. Because <laughs> he wanted to see everything that was there. Maybe he wouldn't name the right thing. So right. we went shopping and we spent about an hour, mostly in the uh, Hot Wheels and uh, Monster Truck section. And he kept going back and forth. And I said, you can have one big thing and two little things. And he kept bringing things up to me. I said, that's a medium thing. <laughs> that's a medium thing. This is is little thing. And so finally, he said, um, why don't you wait right here in the aisle so I won't lose you. And I'll go looking and I'll come back. And I let him go. I said, what could he do? Walk all the way home from Diamond?
1: Right.
0: So we had a wonderful day. And then the next day, he wrote me a letter and oh. thanked me for taking him shopping. And he also drew a picture of the Hot Wheels thing that he bought.
1: Oh, I love yeah. that. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> when you look over your uh, career and journey, the th- the contributions you've made to your world, but in Alaska specifically, what are you most proud of? I mean, you've done many I'm, things.
0: I'm most proud of making a difference in the women's lives who worked with me and for me in my company. love it. You know, uh, I'd say, don't be afraid. I'm gonna take you to the land of Oz and get you some courage. Or I'd say, you wanna be my manager or do you wanna work for these other men who have mistreated you and sexually harassed you at work? I don't know if I wanna be the boss. I said, then you're gonna be the victim. And I have two women that uh, worked for me for 20 years that just excelled. They went back to school. They became the boss. And they were benevolent managers. So not only did I give them an opportunity, they supported the women who worked with them. As a administrator manager for the municipality of Anchorage in the state of Alaska, I was over personnel and labor relations. And the things I'm most proud of in those jobs is providing justice
1: and equity for everyone in the workplace. That was the end of Eleanor Andrews' interview. I so looked forward to that interview. And of course, I love seeing her face. And if you're watching it on YouTube, you know that we had a huge Zoom problem on my end. And so unfortunately, we were cut short a little bit, but she called back and completed that last little bit. I surely hope you enjoy her as much as I enjoy Eleanor. Um, she is such a delightful human and I don't know, I just can't even tell you how much she has meant to me over the years, but to see someone who had many, many things going on in her life And yet she kept it moving and she said she kept pulling up her socks. Love it. I absolutely love it. I just can't tell you enough how much it meant to me to have her as a mentor. Even though when I was young, I didn't even know such things existed. And a role model when I became a single mom. I didn't say to myself, I can't do this and I can't do that. I said, how will I do it? And You know, I'm lucky to have known such incredible women. So lucky to have had Heather Flynn. Lucky to have been inspired by Maria Henson on women's history. And also Eleanor Andrews. I want to finish up by saying that I wanted desperately to bring to you another woman in my life who meant and means the absolute world. Dr. Virginia Carney, a native of Kentucky and Appalachian women, for sure. Proud of her Cherokee heritage, was my literature of Appalachian literature. Um, she was my professor, rather, in literature of Appalachian women, and she was going to be my podcast guest, but she is very ill and has is not sure how uh, the future is going to look for her health. I will tell you that I first met Virginia Kearney when I was in her course But for all of us who were going through stuff, she really had a heart for those who were hurting, and she made people like me who weren't sure if I had anything to contribute to the world, she made sure that I understood that I did. And we don't all have to stand up with our shoulders back and stare in a mirror and say, you are amazing, you are mighty, you are, you know, it's not my personality. I was going through too much way back then anyway, but she spotted strength in the middle of vulnerability, and her empathy and her storytelling really transformed my life. And I am ever and eternally grateful to have had Dr. Carney as my professor. She was the head of Leech Tribal College eventually when she left Alaska, now lives in North Carolina. She is an author a mother, a foster mother that adopted many of the children there, and all in all, an incredible person. So how lucky am I? Remember, my beginning of Women's History Month was about a conversation with my own mom. And I just encourage you to think about the people and the women that have inspired you as you've been raised, whether it was because they did a job that was awful, (laughs) maybe, not all of our mothers are into it, or maybe it was that they were so incredible, but either way, there were other women who helped create the fiber that you are knit from. Who are they? How can you thank them or honor their memory? And what do you want to bring to the next generation? Thanks ever for being here. I love that you're with me at PersistenceU. Hop on my email list at lameredith.com and I will see you I hope you've enjoyed this week's show. Thank you for listening. If you have enjoyed it, feel free to leave a review. And if you've really, really enjoyed it, go ahead and subscribe. And I'll see you next week. Proud member of the Podnooga Network.